When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. This is the first show we are recording after the Mets season is over for 2021. And, um, you know, Chris, you had asked this question at Amazing Avenue Slack yesterday or today, and I, I want to follow up with it. What would be your preferred way for the Mets to not make the playoffs? So, <laughs> This year, we kind of knew in August that the Mets weren't going to be going anyplace. There have been years we knew in April that the Mets weren't going to be going anyplace. And then there are the last day collapses of 2007-2008. Of those those sort of three scenarios, no chance all year, in it for most of the year, and late season collapse, which is your preferred uh, not making the playoffs scenario? So I guess that's the nicest thing I can say about the 2021 Mets is that if it had to go wrong, it was about the perfect time for it to go wrong. Um, we had gone camping on the weekend of my birthday, and it was the weekend that they got swept in Philadelphia. That really, I mean, I guess you could pick a dozen different times that things started to go off the rails, but that weekend was somewhat of a significant turning point in uh, absolutely in their, in their fortunes. So, um, they're kind enough to do that while I didn't have cell service. <laughs> and then it was just, August was so bad that, you know, the, the rest of the way 
it just sort of opens things up uh, up a little bit where you're not super focused on like, oh yeah, I got to see all of the Mets as they lose the vast majority of their games um, for a month. So obviously none of those outcomes are, are great, but hey, three months of being in first place and being locked in and then just falling apart a month ahead of schedule. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what the Padres went through where they still had a playoff spot coming into September and then that their September was um, horrible, pretty similar to, <laughs> to the Mets August and September. Um, that stings a little bit more, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that is the the best thing I can say about these Mets is that they were kind enough to eliminate themselves from the picture a little bit sooner. Yes. My goodness, the Padres September makes the Mets August look good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you pulling up the numbers now? Yeah. Jeez, man. They so yeah. It, granted, it might not be an exact same number of games and all that, especially with the Mets doubleheader Palooza that went on all season. But the Padres won four games in September, and the Mets wow. won. One, two, three, four, five, six. The Mets won nine games in August. So imagine less than half that win total in a month that you went into uh, that month in a playoff position. Oof. So I don't know. I mean, trying to make ourselves feel better as Mets fans, uh, it it could be worse. And the Padres were also picked – somewhat as a consensus uh, playoff team, certainly. And then uh, if, if not even just a playoff team as you know, one of the top world series picks coming into the season, um, you know, everybody knew the Dodgers would be a force to reckon with, but, uh, but yeah, I guess it could be worse. um, And, and maybe we should be grateful for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. that that and our bank accounts are the two things those are the two things that benefit i think um <laughs> and probably our livers too yes reduced stress levels in august and september and october and uh yeah <laughs> yeah you know I, I was talking about this with my brother the other day and i i was saying that it would have been one thing if the mets were not in first place all season and got really hot in september and you thought they had a chance and then didn't make it. That is, to me, not as um, – to me, that's not as bad. If, if if they were fighting back and you could look at the team and say the team had spunk and they were fighting and all of that, to me, even if they end with the same record but they had a really hot end of the season, that's a very good thing. That's That's a fun season to watch baseball. To me, falling out of first place is the worst thing to watch as a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. So this is just bad for for a bunch of reasons uh, in terms of the enjoyment of the games, in terms of how the season actually you know progressed, all of that. But there is news in Mets world today. And I don't think this is uh, necessarily surprising news, but... I want to get your thoughts on this, Chris, and that is that the Mets have declined the option on 
Luis Rojas. It is now the team has now announced that it is official. Luis Rojas will not be managing the Mets next season. I think that no matter what, we have to give the guy credit. He came into a bad situation last year in the 60-game season, and he dealt with a lot of injuries this year and a lot of front office bullshit, and I think the guy did as good of a job as he probably could have done. The problem is, as good of a job as he could have done is not manage a winning team. So I, I'm not crying any tears over Luis Rojas. He seems like a good dude. I'm sure that he will find a job somewhere in baseball, if not with the Mets, uh, soon. But I'm also not upset to see him not being the manager. What about yeah. you? Yeah, no, I think that sums it up nicely. He's someone who was easy to root for, given the circumstances, as you just said. Uh, it was not his fault that things happened the way they did. And then he gets to start managing uh, for a couple weeks in the spring training, and then COVID hits hard and shuts everything down. Um, and I don't think that reality would have made any difference in the type of manager he was once he took over, uh, you know, in that capacity and in, in games that counted. Uh, that's probably the guy he was always going to be. Um, but still, if you could write uh, the worst case scenario for how to try to start that level of job in baseball, he definitely inherited that. Um, you know, taking yeah. over uh, as Carlos Beltran gets dismissed before managing even a spring training game uh, and then going through all that last year and still this year. Um you know, navigating a, a situation where, and hey, look, to his credit, he was one of the Mets who had his picture taken getting the vaccine when yes. when when the turn came up for the team to get it. I also and, want to say very quickly that the Mets have offered him an opportunity to remain in the organization in a yet-to-be-determined capacity. Yeah, and I would I'd expect that that would be what happens, um, especially being it was his first managerial gig and it didn't go all that well. You know, I don't, I don't think that that opportunity is going to present itself with another team. Um, I don't know how many teams are looking at new managers uh, this offseason. haven't really paid close enough attention to know. And I assume between today and tomorrow, we'll know <laughs> which managers were fired um, from, you know, organizations that did not make the playoffs. But, yeah, it it's a bit of a bummer, but like you said, there's no super strong attachment here. Um, and I guess it's just sort of the never-ending question uh, in baseball, like what are we looking for in a manager? Uh, you know, it's a tough question as a fan to answer. We can we, we have feelings about the things that we know we'd like to do if we were in that role. Um, and in-game decision-making is really the the thing that people focus the most on. Um, but, yeah, this, this is a team that uh, certainly underperformed offensively. Um, you know, the change in hitting coaches during the season didn't really make too much of a difference in that regard. 
Uh, and I don't know if changing the manager will make too much of a difference in that regard. But I think really this is just the first marker. Uh, I, I'd expect it fairly soon, whether the Mets do a, you know an official press release about it or not, we will hear that Zach Scott won't be back. Um, and for all intents and purposes, he was, uh, he was the GM this year. Right. Um, you know, well, for most of this year until <laughs> like his predecessor, uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> uh, how, how I, I, it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, the, the, the uniform can't make that much of a difference. Right. But how do you end up hiring a, a manager GM and assistant GM who takes over for the GM after he gets fired, all of whom had done things that warranted firing yes. uh, within within a very short period of time. And I love Carlos Beltran. I wouldn't even complain if they brought him into the managerial search this time around and, and gave him another shot because others who were involved with the Astros and all that um, – have already gotten their next shot. Alex Cora is managing a wild card team in the Red Sox um, after they fired him for a year and then brought him back. So I'm not saying that's necessarily what they should do, um, but just like, what the hell, man? The, uh, <laughs> to, to have those high-level decisions go that wrong consistently is just uh, still kind of hard to believe that it happened. Well, that's a point that our friend Linda Servish just made on Twitter uh, a couple seconds ago, just basically saying that, you know, the the person that Rojas was not a great manager, but the person behind so many of the big decisions this year is still there in Sandy Alderson, and I think you can point to Alderson's decisions as being far worse than any in-game snafu that Rojas made. And I love Sandy Alderson when he was his first tenure. I thought it was great. I thought the way he was shown the door with his cancer diagnosis was fucked up and just typical Will Ponds being Will Ponds and all of that. But I, I think that everything about his decision making in his second tenure, aside from going after um, Francisco Lindor and a couple of the other signings, which again, he wasn't really the guy for, he was just overseeing. But, you know, in terms of hiring GMs, in terms of just the way they've handled everything, he's just – he's not been effective at all. And he's done a lot to tarnish his once stellar reputation within the within baseball. And I think it's sort of crazy that after the year that's ha- that just happened that Steve Cohen is not thinking about severing ties with Alderson, but – I mean, am I foolish for thinking he would ever think about that? Or do you think that Sandy will only leave when Sandy wants to leave at this point? Yeah, it seems that way. And and we know that when he came in, it was sort of a two-year term, basically, that they had agreed to, right? Yes. Um, so you would think at the time, because it was the only official news before Cohen actually became owner of the Mets was that if he did complete the purchase that Sandy Alderson would be right at the top helping to sort of get the organization going under new ownership. Um, but that's over. He owns the team. <laughs> right. Exactly. 
they they can't take it away from him. Um, you know, no, they doesn't he doesn't have to persuade anybody. So, it, you know, with that in mind, you'd like to think that if he looked and said, "Wow, this really didn't go well," that he could move on from it uh, and from him, I should say specifically. But um, given the reality that so far he's committed to uh, seeing that through. Maybe it is unrealistic of us to uh, to think that's something that could actually happen. Uh, I mean, the fact that Alderson's still giving quotes about uh, you know Rojas not coming back would seem to indicate to me that Alderson is coming back. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. But yeah, it, let's hope that with a year under his belt, uh, Cohen sort of sees what went right, what went wrong. Um, and based on his Twitter behavior, I, I don't know if he will, but you'd like to think that he puts a little more serious thought into major decisions like who's going to run this team and how much money am I going to give them for payroll um, than he does with the tweets where he's just like trying to be one of the Mets Twitter guys, you know? Right. Um. So yeah, we'll see. We know it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the whole front office shakes up because we know that they're going to be hiring a president of baseball operations, hopefully, and a GM. And we know that there have been a couple of names that have already been floated as as part of that, which is um, Theo Epstein will be contacted and they will request permission to speak with Billy Bean and David Stearns once their clubs are out of contention. So the A's are already out of contention now, but the Brewers are in the playoffs. So, you know, we'll see how how that goes. But, um, you know, we'll see how... I presume they're going to want to handle that before they handle the manager's position. And, I mean, look, I, I think that any of those guys, Epstein, Stearns, or Bean, have the potential to be excellent, excellent heads of a baseball team. I don't know if Sandy Alderson at the top is the best way for those guys to be operating. I don't know if there you know there are, there are so many unknowns, but those those are proven guys though. But if you were one of those guys, I mean look, Billy Bean knows what he has in the in the A's. The he knows the good and the bad of it, but he's he knows the A's organization. Stearns is in a position where his team is is in the playoffs this year and has been quite good all year. And, you know, I know it's a small market team, but the Brewers are are a relative... I would put them towards the, the middle of the pack versus the bottom of the pack in terms of things like um, salaries and free agent, um, uh, you know, landing spots. They don't... They're not superstars, but they're not they're not the pirates, right? Or or, or even the A's to a certain degree. So I I, right. I I don't know if if those guys can really be talked out of their their current jobs. I think Theo Epstein is the most likely one, just because I think he would see it as the final feather, maybe in his cap. You know, he brought a World Series to Boston after. A hundred years or whatever it was, and he brought a World Series to Chicago 
after 100 years, whatever it was. The Mets are not that dire in terms of a home run drought, but the Mets are by far the least respected franchise of those three. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he just sees it as a as as a uh, a decision that would truly make his legacy you know unimpeachable. I don't know. Yeah. Is there is there any other front office chat you want to have or are we good? Uh <laughs> I mean, I think that's enough for now. I hope it won't take two months before we have some news about who those people are going to be. Um, if Stearns happens to be the, their top target after they discuss with Bean and uh, and Epstein uh, and the Brewers make a little bit more of a run, then that would necessitate waiting to uh, to announce anything. But um, And what, what a world that must be, right, to have a job – where you're you are in it and playing for a championship and likely uh on some level i I know there's different rules about what you can and can't do and getting permission and all that and your team being eliminated but being in the midst of possibly the highest achievement you could have in the sport and also knowing that you might change jobs like this this winter um i don't know it's just kind of wild to me um yeah, but but yeah, no, I I just hope that whatever the case, I hope that, that person is in place. I hope a GM is in place. I hope that those are things that we get to talk about in the next two to three weeks. Um, and when free agency starts, that those people know what the ground, you know, uh, sort of the ground rules of the offseason are. You know, they've they've had time to. Uh, establish things with Cohen and and look I, I am all for having a robust analytics department and all that and, and we know that the Mets started to sort of bolster that after years and years of the Wilpons downplaying it uh, and, and not really funding it but I would think that if you're looking to make a hire on this level of somebody who's been around the game and your point about knowing their organizations is, is a strong one. Um, but if you're talking about which big free agents, the the types of guys you might have to make moves on a little faster, um, than, than some of the others, these are, these are known quantities, you know, (laughs) Like, like I would think, um, any of those three have pretty strong opinions on the top, 25 or 50 free agents who are going to be out there mm-hmm. and what, what they would be comfortable giving them <clears throat> um, in, in free agency. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, hopefully these decisions don't take too long so we can get about the business of making the Mets a better ball club. But speaking of better ball clubs, there are a lot of them right now, and a bunch of them are in the playoff picture. And so I just want to talk about uh, sort of who we're rooting for here. We'll start with the two wildcard games, uh, one of which is tomorrow, one of which is Wednesday. We have the Yankees and the Red Sox tomorrow. Do you have a strong preference here, one or the other? Oh, yeah. Yankees, please be gone. (laughs) (laughs) And I also am not a Red Sox hater. Um, I know they get lumped in with each other. It's the most boring possible outcome uh, after all the possible uh, possibilities, chaos 
going into the final day of the regular season yesterday. But, uh, you know, I grew up a Mets fan, but I grew up going to a lot of games at Fenway Park as well. Um, so there's always sort of a – I've never called them like my second team or followed them on that level uh, or anything. But, you know, I've got a warm spot for in, in my heart for uh, for the Red Sox. So definitely prefer that they win that game. Um what about you? Two Goliaths, no real preference, or yeah, I mean that that that's what it basically comes down to. I will say this: I have a couple of Red Sox fans in my life who are obnoxious, <laughs> and uh, I feel like my. See, but I, I married somebody from the Boston area, so like, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, it's just it's just part of life. Uh, yeah, but I mean it's it's uh like the the one guy and I'm not going to mention his name in case he listens, which I'm sure he doesn't. But you know, whenever like. The year after they won the World Series, he was like, man, Sox can't catch a break. We're bad this year. I was like, you just won the World Series. Shut the fuck up, right? That's just like <laughs> Red Sox fans went from never winning to being Yankee fans in yeah. how they handle this. So here's what I'll say. There are more Yankee fans in my life than Red Sox fans. So for the sake of my friends and family, I will say I'm rooting for the Yankees in that game. But that's as far as my Yankees rooting will go. Mm. Um, I hope they beat the Red Sox, but I hope they lose in the next round. I mean, uh, either it, one's going to get devoured by the Rays. I well, think. exactly. You know, this is basically it's a mercy killing for the Red Sox <laughs> if they lose tomorrow because they're going to be just, you know, annihilated. Um, by the way, this might be released after these games already happened. If so, we're sorry. We don't know the future, but we had to record early this week because of some personal stuff. So uh, our apologies. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What about the Cardinals and Dodgers? This also feels like a root for the meteor situation. A bit, but but I'd still strongly prefer the Dodgers. Same. Um, they are imperfect, but enough with the Cardinals. Of all the teams that could end up in the wild card spot after the Mets and Padres disappeared, like the Cardinals, uh, so lame. <laughs> so yeah, I, and and Dodgers Giants would just be a fun series um, to watch. You know that that's already a rivalry, um, and uh, you know it predates us by many years. But yes. The, the New York roots of the franchise is the whole yes the whole thing of it um, and it's funny it, that feels like a rivalry that could be Yankees Red Sox but this is where like West Coast fans always complain that they get ignored because of the time zone and and maybe they do a little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it feels like a rivalry that could be just as annoying as Yankees Red Sox except it isn't somehow. Um, so that that would be fun. 
so yeah, that those are my wild card preferences. Any any strong one for you there on the National oh, League side? I mean, the, definitely the Dodgers. You know, fuck yeah. the Cardinals forever, essentially. Um, <laughs> and I think you know, a part of this is also that I I edit the True Blue LA podcast, and those guys are good guys. So again, like. I want the people I like to have their teams do well for the most part, unless they're Cardinals fans, I guess. Um, but yeah, so definitely don't want the Cardinals going anywhere. All right, well, let's 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 leave out the wild card games for now. I'll get to those in a second, rather the, the games that are affected by the wild card. But in terms of the White Sox and the Astros, is there a way I can root for the White Sox team and root against Tony Labrusa at the same time? <laughs> I mean, maybe he gets ejected. Yeah, there, a that, game or two. I mean, that, that, that's about the best we can do, right? Yeah. And yeah, not every Astros player on this roster was around for the cheating scheme and all that, but there's still enough institutional carryover that it doesn't rise to the level of wanting the Yankees or Braves out, but I'd prefer that the Astros lose. Same. And the White Sox have a ton of fun players. Um, so, yeah. I feel like there's a non-zero chance that the White Sox win the World Series and LaRusso is not back next year, mm. which is sort of a crazy thing to happen. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a non-zero chance of that. All right. I, I Do I even have to ask about the Braves and the Brewers? Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> uh, but and the Brewers could be a lot of fun. Um, I don't think anybody really saw this coming. I haven't gone back to look at preseason predictions or anything, but uh, I don't know. Nobody was really talking about Corbin Burns and um, oh god, who's the other one? He's in the top five in ERA. Oh, um, why would you put me on the spot like this? I know who uh, it is too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll find him. Uh, Woodruff. Woodruff. Thank you. Okay, there it is. Yeah, Brandon yeah, Woodruff. So, okay. <clears throat> I don't think anybody would have said, and it's not my go-to pitching metric, but between the two of them, they racked up almost 13 F-war. I I never would have predicted that. If I had, my fantasy teams would have been much better this year. (laughs) Yes. Um, That too. So I just, I kind of like that coming out of nowhere aspect of it. Um, You know, it's... It's a fun team. Christian Yelich is is really good. Is his back working these days? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I, I know he I know he has not uh, you know lived up to um what he was doing even just two years ago. Um, but as a good player, and there's like this tiny bit of Schadenfreude if if Chris, Christian Yelich has success in a not Marlins uniform, that brings me some joy. Uh, you're not wrong. So, and yeah, the the alternative is the Braves. So obviously, yeah, and it's it's unfortunate because uh, so there was an article on SNY.TV today, actually, a site I never go to, but that was ranking all of the playoff teams like in terms of how Mets fans might feel about them. And one of the things they said was like the Braves deserve a ton of credit because they lost Ronald Acuna and they kept going, and you know. And they have a lot of likable players, Freddie Freeman being the, the foremost of those, you know. But then again, their fans still do the tomahawk chop. <laughs> and uh, I feel like that is a good enough reason to root against the Braves no matter what. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for the Brewers. 
And then um, I, I, w- I would presume that we are rooting for the Rays and Giants regardless of who wins the pl- the wildcard games, correct? Um, yeah, yeah. And it's – I know the Giants – the one thing with the Giants is that when their fans show up to uh, City Field, they're very annoying. But I – did not make it to a game this year, so I didn't have any. I haven't been exposed to Giants fans in quite some time. Um, but yeah, I there's just something. There's been enough time to distance them from that every other year run that they yes. had, where I, I just don't feel like it's the same thing. So yeah, I'd, I'd prefer that they take the Dodgers out. The Dodgers got their title. They've been really good for a long time. That that's enough. Yeah, I, I think that's that's correct. Uh, the other thing I, I am obligated to say here is that my dad was a San Francisco Giants fan because he was a New York Giants fan in the fifties and the forties, and so um, he was he remained a Giants fan until he died, and so I uh, I kind of have to root for the Giants in this case. Plus, Wilmer Flores, who doesn't love oh, Wilmer yeah. Flores? <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. So to me, those those are two reasons for me to have my rooting interest be the Giants. And I'm I'm totally fine with that. Um, so yeah, that that's sort of how I see it shaking out. Now, it, it, just in terms of if you had to root for one team to win the World Series, do you have like a top spot right now? Hmm. I don't, it it might be the Brewers. I mean, there's so we've we've really covered the strong preference of elimination part of this conversation. So after that, I, I, I don't have any really strong feelings. Um, but yeah, maybe the brewers, I mean, they're named for making beer. They've got a great logo. Um, we've already touched on three of their players who are, you know, sort of appealing. Uh, and it would just be fun to, to mix it up a little bit. Um, Tampa Bay is they, they they are who they are. You know who I feel bad for in all this? Rich Hill. Yes. He got stuck on the Mets because he made a few million dollars and the Rays even after improving their team at the deadline uh, or as they were improving their team at that time of the season uh still ruthless cost efficiency mode. Yes. Like Rich Hill could help any of these teams. I'm not saying he would pitch the most important innings or games, but the dude had a, a sub four ERA both on the season as a whole and in his time with the Mets. Um, and he was on a team that wound up winning over 100 games, and he ended the season on a team that did not win 100 games um, and pitched like himself pretty much the entire time. So... <laughs> That sucks. It's the you know it, the Mets didn't really give up anything to get him. It, it, it was yeah, it was just something that I uh, felt bad for, especially since he's been close to that World Series title a couple times. Yes, um, but yeah, yeah. justice hey. for Dick Mountain. Yes, <laughs> um, I, I would say I guess I guess I'm I would I would like to have a Rays Brewers World Series. That's where I like to be. And if either of those teams won, I'd be happy. Look, I think the Rays are remarkable in so many ways. My problem with the Rays winning, and we've talked about this before on this show, I believe, um, is just that 
for every time the Rays and the A's are good, it makes people think that you shouldn't spend money in baseball, and that's objectively incorrect. If 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 we're owned by a billionaire, our team should spend money. And right. so so I don't want people to take the lesson here to be you shouldn't spend money. What the lesson should be though is that there are other ways to win than just going after the hottest ticket person. And if you don't get that person, like, you know, to me, this is the lessons that we can learn from the Rays is just that it's worthwhile to invest in. It's worthwhile to invest in robust analytics and to think outside the box. And if that's the lesson that people learn from a Rays World Series, fantastic. World Series win, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, Chris, what is your music pick for this week? So the last time we had an episode uh, was just before I attended with uh, my wife and a few friends, including Amazing Avenue alum Brock Mahan, uh, former This Date and Mets history machine. Yes. Half half of that duo on the site. Um, so we went to this small festival uh, over near Kingston, and uh, it was a bunch of bands that we knew we liked, and I made to the wreck going into it of uh, Human Performance, the album by Parquet Courts. And during their set, they played the song by that name. So that was fitting. That felt good. And, uh, you know, coming out of it, still pretty fresh on the mind. Um, Kevin Morby, who I was actually surprised that I hadn't recommended this album yet when I looked at our list. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he's a guy who we had seen uh, at a couple different festivals over the years and always liked his music and something about this set at this festival was just like, damn, like that was really good. That, um, it just clicked in a way that it hadn't before. And, uh, a, a good chunk of the set was songs off the album he put out last year called sundowner. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a good record. Um, so somehow I, I didn't wind up recommending it in, in the time in between when it came out and and now. But uh, but yeah, he's put out several records, uh, all of which I would recommend. But this one just felt like a good fit for, I don't know, the times that we've been living in for the last year and a half. Sure. Um, and obviously things are at least in the Northeast, continuing to be pretty good relative to how they were. But, uh, but yeah, equal parts somber and uplifting. And um, he's just got, like one thing I noticed, and this is about the live set and not the record itself, but sometimes an artist will sound like dead on live with how they sound on vocals in the studio. Sure. And, and the, this was one of those cases uh, where it's just like, Damn, that's consistent. Um, so yeah, Kevin Morby, Sundowner, came out in 2020. And uh, if you if you are inclined to go see shows um, at all, he he's got some coming up. Couple in I think one's in Brooklyn, one's in Manhattan in November, um, as well as like a full slate of, of tour dates. So uh, if you like the record, you might enjoy it even more uh, in person. So. There you have it. 
How about I, you? I, I somehow missed that record last year, by the way. I like Kevin uh, Moon, but I, I didn't realize he put out a record last year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to check that out now. That's good. And he, he also, as a bonus, I haven't even listened to it yet, but he put it out like a, the demos that he oh, okay. had made for that record. He just released those demos as their own release, I think, like last week. I have not listened to that yet. I guess that would have been the timelier recommendation. But <laughs> but if, well, you, if you really like the record and then want to hear a, a little bit of you know how it was made, uh, there there is that extra uh, you know version of it available. Yeah, yeah, I I will definitely check both of those out. So um, my recommendation this week does not come from a live concert experience where I was in the room but rather a live stream concert experience. You know, you and I had talked a lot last year about the joys of the live stream. And, uh, you know, you recently saw Lou Barlow, and I'll be seeing Lou in a couple of weeks here in Jersey on a tour. And I think both of us got way more into Lou during the pandemic because of his live streams. Would you would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And I, I told him as much. <laughs> okay, nice. Um, he's doing the, the shows are very casual. They're in people's backyards. The one we saw was at a vineyard, um, you know, but it, it's very, very casual. So, uh, you get to, you get to say hi if you want to. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is always a nice thing. I, I, I always like to do that if I can at a show. Um, but so, uh, what I'm surprised by is that more bands aren't doing, live streams of their shows in person now. And I know uh, you and I are big Wilco fans, and Wilco did two nights that way. But I'm surprised that more bands aren't doing that because most venues now have screens that are playing video of what's happening on stage anyway, or most venues of a certain size, I should say. And, you know, it's not hard to get a soundboard patch to to broadcast out. So... Uh, one of my favorite live to me the the best live band on the planet Ween was doing three nights in Las Vegas this weekend at Brooklyn Bowl Brooklyn Bowl which I just want to say again man why why does that place need to be called Brooklyn Bowl there is a Brooklyn Bowl in Brooklyn I get that but there's also ones in like four different cities why are they still called Brooklyn Bowl makes me mad for no reason anyway. yeah no it's like copying the knitting factory model right yes exactly but just i don't know it, it it's lame yeah it is it is very lame <laughs> it, it, it's like how i believe the las vegas airport still has a cbgb's in it oh god yeah yeah so shit like that anyway that is not the point <laughs> the point is that ween was playing three nights in las vegas and offered what i thought was a very failed video which was 40 bucks for all three shows live streamed and these are again multi-camera beautifully shot really well recorded shows and i have gone on and on to chris in the past about how much i love ween live and so on night one uh dean ween the guitar player mickey malchiando said they're shooting for a hundred songs over three nights that was their goal was to hit a hundred songs and they surpassed that goal they played a hundred and four songs um over, no, I'm sorry, not 104, uh, 103, I'm sorry, 103 songs over the course of their three nights in Las Vegas, including at least one song that had never been played live before, uh, one song that had not been played since 2000, and one that had not been played since 2001. They, they said they purposely went back and relearned some old stuff just to make these shows special, and 
the live stream only cut out for one song. It's happened to be a song I love, so I'm a little pissed about that. But, you know, 100 songs for 40 bucks, recorded really well. And, you know, if, if you're a tech-savvy person, you can have a nice, you know, audio recording of these shows now to, to keep as a keepsake. And I, I, you know, I may or may not have done that, depending on who's <laughs> listening to this recording. Um, but for those that don't have that opportunity, I would suggest – there is an album called Live in Chicago by Ween that's from many years ago now. I'm going to say it was maybe 2003. Um, but it is an incredible live record. It gives a really good sense of just sort of 2004. I'm sorry it came out. Uh, it gives a really good sense of sort of who the band is live in terms of their ability to stretch things out, their ability to still do like really fast. So, so this is a bit of a tangent here, but Dean Ween has railed against bands like Fish in the past, whose set list is four songs and they're going to play for an hour. He says like jams have to just come out of like you have to be playing and it feels good, so you keep going. So sometimes their songs are the exact length they are on the record, and sometimes they go on for ten minutes. And they're a very they're an amazing improvisational band. They have really funny songs. They're all amazing musicians. Each member of the band is is incredibly talented. So I would recommend going to Live in Chicago. And uh, the next time Wing comes into your town, make an effort to go see them because it's a, it's an excellent show. So those are our music picks for the week. And as always, we thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We will be here with you during the off season. I don't know what our schedule is going to be just yet. We'll probably be operating on something like an every other week schedule with popping in when big news breaks. That's That seems to be a good method for us going into the offseason. So um, we'll see how that goes. But until then, go to AmazingAvenue.com for all your baseball postseason uh, game threads, for Mets news, for analysis, for everything else you could want. Mets-related, it's at AmazingAvenue.com. Amazing Avenue is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Amazing Avenue. I want to throw a special shout out to our friends at a pot of their own. We talked about last time, the dollars for dingers fundraiser Uh, with a couple of employee employer matches. We are now up to over $12,000 raised for the national domestic violence hotline in 2021. Thank you all so, so much for donating and for being a part of that. And thank you to Allison, Kelly, Ann, Linda, and Maggie who are the best of us and just do incredible work on and off the pod. So thank you all so much for that. Um, you can find this podcast as well as a pod of their own on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, wherever you get podcasts, you can find us. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Nitsenab. And until next time, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.